Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And this week we are listening to The Avengers Series 1, Episode 12, Dance with Death. This was written by Peter Ling and Sheila Ward, and it was recorded on the 12th of April 1961, to be transmitted on the 15th of April at 10pm. Now, this was the week that it all went out to the other regions. So it was broadcast in ABC, Anglia, ATV, South, Tyne Teens, Television Western Wales and Ulster. The episode, unfortunately, is lost. There is a full script, though, and that's from Barbara Forster's private collection. There are no telesnaps, no publicity photos, although six are often misattributed to this one, uh, but they're from a pre-promotional photo shoot. Uh, Dr. Exton, do you have a pricey for us? I do indeed. And again, the pricey is from Dave Rogers' Ultimate Avengers book. And it says, Dance with Death. While trying to help one of his patients, Elaine Bateman, Dr. Keel is framed for her murder. Steed investigates and suspicion falls on Anthony, a pianist at Elaine's dancing school, a man who was tried but acquitted of killing his wife. He's still suspected of other murders. Believing that Anthony is guilty, Steed tells Keel that the man was suspected of electrocuting his victims in the bath. Yet the Avengers could be too late since Anthony has eloped with Valerie Marne and her mother's diamonds. With the bath taps already running, Steed and Keel rescue Valerie from certain death. Can you come in and scrub my back when you have a moment? The loofah's over there. Oh, don't bring the heater in. It's dangerous. Didn't you hear what I said? Take it outside. No. No, what are you doing? No! Keep it away from me! No! Do we have any alumni before we go any further? We do. We have a number of WHO alumni. Geoffrey Palmer was Captain Hardacre in um, Voyage of the Damned and was Masters in... Oh, help me out. Silurians. Yes, he was Masters in Silurian, so my, my brain went blank on that. Um, he was also regular in Fairly Secret Army, Reginald Perrin and Butterflies. Whoops, Apocalypse. He turned up in two episodes of Doomwatch and three episodes of The Out of the Unknown. He was in The Strange World of Gurney Slade and will turn up in a further three episodes of The Avengers. Neil Wilson was um, Seeley in Spearhead from Space. His first acting credit was as the policeman at Wimbledon Common in the Quatermass Experiment, the original TV version. Um, he turns up in The Stone Tape, The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes, The Adventures of Don Quick, Strange World of Planet X, The Critical Point, X the Unknown, and we will see him in three further episodes of The Avengers. Diana King appeared as a regular in You're Only Young Twice and as a guest in Come Back Mrs. Noah, The Ghosts of Motley Hall, Ace of Wands and The Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense. Norman Chappell will reappear in five further episodes of The Avengers, was also in Journey to the Unknown and Undermined, and his first acting credit was three episodes of Quatermass and the Pit. 
Caroline Blakeson was a regular in Mr. Palfrey of Westminster and Charters and Caldecott. She was one of the lead cast in the Joan Hickson Agatha Christie adaptation of At Bertram's Hotel. She was Agrippina in the 1968 version of The Caesars. Uh, she appears in quite a few ITC series, Department S, The Champions, Randall and Hopkirk, Deceased and Strange Report. Uh, we'll see her again in a couple of episodes of The Avengers. Uh, she appeared in an Out of the Unknown episode and her first acting credit was in City Beneath the Sea. However, she is probably best known as playing Mon Mothma in The Return of the Jedi. And finally, Angela Douglas played Doris Lethbridge-Stewart in Battlefield. She will appear in one further episode of The Avengers and was well known for being one of the blonde carry-on girls in the carry-on films. Well, there's a story about Angela Douglas who played Beth Wilkinson in the TV version. She impressed the producer, Leonard White, so much that he considered making a full-time role for her. Well, she, she auditioned for the role of Venus Smith and didn't get it. Which was in series two, wasn't it? Yes. Which we'll come on to. The director, actually, of Please Don't Feed the Animals, Dennis Vance, he interrupted rehearsals uh, of this episode because he stabbed his ex-girlfriend, the director Janice Willett. They split up in February 1961, and uh, he accosted her in the street and then stabbed her several times in her office. Uh, she was dating Norman Kay who was a music producer at Isis Productions. And the press covered far more of that than the actual episode itself, so it was overshadowed a little bit this week. Wow, that, that, that's quite an anecdote. And as an anecdote, frankly, it's a little more exciting than the episode itself. I will say this much. They've got a, a penchant for putting us in situations that you wouldn't normally find at this sort of drama. So we've had, you know, the hairdressing salon. In this one, we've got a, a dance school. We'll come on to the episode itself. What are your views on it? Again, it's sort of foreshadowing of quirkiness to come. So we will come back to dance studios when we do the quick, quick, slow death as in later series. I mean, a very sim similar environment is the the charm school that we, we see in, in the charmers. It's kind of the Avengers putting their toe in the water of the real quirkiness that they would then go and leap in as a water bomb when they, they come later on and go all out for the, the slightly bizarre, which I really quite like. Yeah, um, I know that the series is going to go in very weird and wonderful directions as we move further through the canon. I did quite enjoy it. As with a lot of these, there's a, a fairly small cast so it's basically spot the villain uh, every week and you've only got five or six to pick from. It's usually the one that doesn't have a lot to do at the start of the episode. And as ever, I won't spoil it for you, boys and girls, but <laughs> it is the very obvious choice who turns out to be the wrong. Except that the pricey we've just uh, I've just read out spoils who the villain is. But the route that it takes to get there is I quite enjoyed this one. I think a lot of the time, because the major in it, he sounded like he was emulating John Cleese in Faulty Towers. Oh, a little bit, yes. Major, would you show Mr Rogers our curriculum? Certainly. This is our special series offer, only available until the end of the year. The month? Oh, yes. A specially reduced rate for the whole series of classes. 
a complete, comprehensive course of instruction in ballroom dancing. But the story itself, I mean, it was odd. It, it, there were some very clunky pointers, like when the diamond necklace first makes an appearance in the dialogue. There's a big neon sign over it that says, this is going to get stolen any minute now. Uh, Mummy, can I borrow this diamond necklace? Well, it is worth several thousand pounds and you won't inherit it until you're 21. Hmm, I'm not sure. Some of the signposting is a little bit obvious. But actually, that kind of plays to its strengths a little bit because you have that whole scene in the bar where it's all really obviously signposted towards the major being the villain and he turns up and says oh well actually no i wasn't able to pass on your message so i thought i'd better pop along and and let you know what the story is and he's disappeared off somewhere else (laughs) so they laid this whole elaborate trap for him and it fails because he just didn't get the message to go there in time so it's not cleverness on the part of the villain it's just sheer luck it was it was definitely an episode where you could just disengage your brain and enjoy it for what it was. I did quite enjoy yeah. this one. Oh, I did as well. Um, you you can pick it apart in terms of plot. You can pick holes in the actions of the characters and things, but it doesn't alter the fact that it was actually really entertaining. I, I wasn't bored for a second in this one. No, and as we're getting further into the runner, I said this for the last one. They are now very much established as a team to the point where Carol's not fully aware, but she's aware enough of that these things are now going on on a regular basis. Stuff's being batted to Dr. Treading. There are just nice little nudges where all of a sudden it does feel like they're a team of Avengers and they've all got their own little strengths and weaknesses. Now that they've got into the stride... I personally think that these episodes are of a better standard than... Some of the earlier ones were a little bit hit and miss. They were either very good or a bit meh. Whereas now there's a definite feel to them. But how much of that is because we've actually got scripts for these? Uh, There is that. That's a good point. But there were a few of the... I think there was a few of the earlier ones where... I wasn't especially blown away. Um, What was the third episode? Square Root of Evil. There was a full script for that, and I I wasn't particularly blown away by it. But again, it was that early days where they weren't really a team. It was either keel forward or steed forward. Carol didn't know what was going on. Now that they're finding their feet as a team, it's starting to feel a lot more coherent and gelled together. So this past run of episodes, Please Don't Feed the Animals, I wasn't blown away by, but it had a nice feel to it. That was when everything sort of clicked into place for me. So I'm really now really, really looking forward to the the rest of the run, particularly since there are two episodes that do actually survive out of the remaining 13. Yeah, don't get too excited about Tunnel of Death. It's certainly one of the weakest, if not the weakest, of the whole of season one. There are so many episodes I would prefer to have been recovered rather than Tunnel of Fear, but doesn't alter the fact that we got a third full episode, so happy days for that. But we're a few episodes away from another actually surviving one, Mm. so onwards and upwards. Well, it's time to rate this in Masterminds. I'm tempted to give this a four. Because he did have me, I've got to say. I'm going to give this a four. For all that uh, we've we've taken the piss a little bit, I wasn't bored at all. And I was entertained by this. And there were a lot of Bond-esque moments in there. I mean, they got there before Bond. 
there was the electric heater in the bath, uh, which was a, a James Bond thing. Uh, Thunderball, I think that one was. They did that years before James Bond got there as a death thing. That was his sort of signature move, really. That was the final thing I was going to say about this. And it's, sorry, I hadn't written a note about it. I, I, I meant to. The final denouement, where you've got this poor girl in the bath and half the cast running and out through her bathroom and just have these... <laughs> well, mm. <laughs> The TV version, and I can, I can only assume there were a lot of soap suds in that bath. Or, or it was very deep and you just saw her head and shoulders above it. But yeah, there, there's this poor 19-year-old girl in a bath. And then her fiancé, or whatever he turned out to be, was running in and out with a heater trying to kill her. And then there, were, uh, there was a hospital porter and her best mate and two strange men who were all running through the, bath, the bathroom. At no point are there no men in this bathroom so she can sort of safely and comfortably with any level of dignity get out of the bath because they're there having their conversations. And, oh, yes, I mean, we've, we've captured him now. And you'd expect the Keystone Cops to start running through. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that did cross my mind. Uh, they're all sort of stood around. There are some comedy <laughs> moments in this one, not overtly, but there are the Steed drilling a hole in the bathroom door and then getting caught by the hotel porter. But, I mean, that, that was overt comedy, wasn't it? Yeah. Whereas the the whole, we'll just leave her in the bath. <laughs> Would you like a bit more hot water, Golga Frencham captain? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, wag it out now. I really enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable ep. I really did like this one. And with that, we shall sign off. Next week, we'll be back with episode 13 from series one, one for the mortuary. Until then, thanks for listening again, boys and girls. See you soon. Bye now. They'll be back. You can depend on it. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. With thanks to Studio Canal, Big Finish Productions, and Alan Hayes. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. Come and get those kinky boots, boots, kinky boots. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.